Welcome to Rocket Science Podcast, man. It's that business, it's that culture, it's that future proofing your life, brother. Brother, big up. I'm just kidding. How's it going, guys? <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I don't know why. You know what I was doing? I was making a beat before this and I found uh, a Jamaican, like, reggae toasting sound pack where, like, the entire sound set with some guy making sounds like that. So uh, a Jamaican guy doing vocal sounds is kind of top of mind at the moment. But uh, anyway, figured I'd throw a curveball, you know, to set this sucker off. Just started off with a big old curveball. Also, I was trying to drown out. You guys hear that? Maybe you don't. I don't know. My uh my old ass Brooklyn radiator is going off right now, like clunkety clunk 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 to the clunk, and uh, it's like spitting steam occasionally, and it's just clicking and clunking around. So I'm a little self conscious of that, but there's also nothing I can do about it because my apartment is probably 150 years old, and that radiator is probably about 80 to 90 years old. So. We do what we do when it comes to putting out these episodes and doing the damn thing, right? Right. Um, how are you guys doing? I am here solo this weekend. The girlfriend is away in uh, at her parents' house, so I am kicking it here alone. Well, not really alone. My really good my best friend lives right above me, so... Never really feels alone alone, but uh, definitely feels a little different. I haven't had one of these in a while. It's cool on one hand because you have all this time, but on the other hand, it just feels different. It It feels a lot lonelier, even though I lived in this apartment by myself for a while. It just feels like something's kind of missing, but when it comes to these podcasts... I usually schedule around when I know I'm going to have the apartment pretty much to myself. And now I don't have to do that. I just do it whenever I want. So I'm doing it at 8.58 on a Saturday night. So that's pretty cool. It is international, or national I should say, pizza day. I don't think pizza is popular enough. Actually, that's not true. What am I saying? I'm an idiot. I was going to say it's not popular enough to be International Pizza Day because some places don't eat it. But that's not really true. I think pretty much everywhere eats pizza in some form now, other than maybe like Greenland or some shit like that. Eating whale blubber pizza. I don't know. But uh, 
National Pizza Day. I haven't had real pizza in a while. I've had some bullshit cauliflower pizza, even though it's pretty good. I can't knock the cauliflower pizza. It's just it tastes slightly different. So today, I went up to Luigi's on Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn and uh, got me some proper ass pizza. First time in a long time. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. I got the grandma's and the in the no and the plain. Grandma's was definitely better. The plain slice. Meh, but that's the one that looked better for the gram, so I put it on my story. And it was pretty tasty. It was pretty tasty. I should have pizza more. I don't know why I don't. It's not like I'm eating healthy all day anyway. I, I had tacos yesterday, for Christ's sake. Um, What else? What else is going on? Oh, so I started managing the sneaker account that I used to run pretty heavy on Instagram. Still do for fun, but I kind of revved it back up again. And today, it's like the last post I did late last night kind of just went... And it's probably one of the best, in terms of engagement, Instagram posts I've like ever had, regardless of account or anything. And it's crazy... And it's really making me question this podcast because I feel like this podcast, in terms of its content, is fairly horizontal. I kind of bounce all over the place because I want this to be fun. I'm somebody that gets very bored of certain topics very quickly and then I like bounce to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I have shiny toy object syndrome. It's bad. We all do, I think, to some degree, though. But yeah, I just, I, it's hard for me on a personal level to go really vertical with one particular subject matter. Whereas um, I like doing the sneaker Instagram account because it's all vertical. I always know what I'm going to post. It's easy to post. Everything's really streamlined. And it's just, I don't know, it's a lot smoother of a process. And it's just fun. I don't really care. I'm just posting sneakers. It's not like that personal to me, even though I like sneakers. I've been a sneaker hobbyist for a while. It's not, and today's show will be mostly about business and sneakers, you'll see in a sec. But uh, I'm not really that attached to any kind of just material possession, whatever it be. Um, So with me, sneakers, it's just, I go as vertical as I want, and I kind of look at it like a job in a way, but at least I don't have to really 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 think about content strategy um but one thing i am thinking about and proving out right now with uh the sneaker account that i run is i'm getting like a lot better engagement when i post really cool customized sneakers than when i'm posting about an upcoming release that the whole like hype beastie world is freaking out about i think because it's more unique um customized sneakers tend to be a little more in the DL in the Instagram sneaker world niche thing. And uh, if you curate it where you pick the right ones, people will be more inclined to engage with you because these big upcoming releases, like every sneaker account on Earth posts those. And a lot of those accounts have, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. So it's like you're competing with that, with those types of posts. So one thing is I certain brands I kind of specialize in and I go more heavy on than others. And then now I'm starting to gear it where it's like customization within that brand. So it's like niche on niche within a niche 
type of deal. And it's starting to pay off, which makes me seriously questioning well, what I'm doing with this podcast. But I guess the way I'm looking at it is that this podcast, you get my sweet AF personality that does accents on my intros for my show episodes. And uh, you don't get that on a sneaker Instagram account, do you, boys and girls? Or whatever pronouns you may use. So yeah, I'm going to continue doing something that probably will not get me a lot more fans or anything like that. But regardless, it keeps shit interesting for me. So I'm going to continue to do it. So there, I'm going to keep bouncing around. I'm going to keep the same general theme of the show, which is basically just business culture hacking for the 21st century you could say creating a business that depends on culture on some level that translates to the 21st century translates to now you know in the most cookie cutter of ways you can say you own a sneaker shoe company you know not focusing on opening more retail stores but optimizing your shopify experience things like that so I hope I am continuing to articulate the underlying theme of the show correctly, which is why it's called Not Rocket Science, which is optimizing your business for now, for today, for today's culture. And that actually, when you think about it, it's kind of commonsensical in a lot of ways. It's just an evolution in form, but the underlying principle Behind the approach is not really all that complex. Um, so yeah, that's the deal. It's just, I don't know, it's on my mind because of how different small successes on Instagram tend to go compared to small successes on this podcast have gone, but my Instagram successes are a little bigger than my podcast one. So I'm kind of in a conundrum, but... Is it really a conundrum? Who really cares at the end of the day? Anyway, hope you guys are doing well. Um, that was a long intro, huh? About 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 37 seconds. Bam. Um, so what's going on? What's going Oh, I don't really want to do like a long current events thing or anything like that. I used to do those and I used to fit them in as kind of like segments, but I'm starting to kind of phase that out a little because then you kind of force yourself to have like five current event articles queued up and then you got to like read about them and sometimes you care more about them other times you care less about them so I stopped doing that shit but but when it's big news or topical news or news that's very much uh in my wheelhouse or affects me on some level I generally want to talk about it or in, my, in the case of this one, post an Instagram story about it, like I did with uh, that Amazon article that I was reading from the Wall Street Journal about how now they're thinking about pulling out of their uh, Long Island City second headquarters thing that they spent two years building hype on. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is the most New Yorkist thing of all time. It can't get any more New York City than this. Uh, I see it's it's so funny how cookie-cutter this is. Like, extreme liberals hate Amazon coming over because of the tax, tax breaks. 
most conservatives I know, which means usually people I see on football message boards because most uh, people that watch college football, which is what I'm a fanboy of, usually are Republican conservatives because culturally that's just how it falls out. Um, You know, they're kind of laughing at this and like yeah new york city doesn't want to accept fifteen thousand new jobs blah 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 blah. so yeah it's very much just like twitter in general these days where you know you're either this way or that way and you'll have your own opinion it's not going to change with me it's like look i get it if you don't live in new york and have to ride the subway or the bus these days yeah i gotta take a back seat on this one because you don't get it you do not get it you just don't you don't know enough to have an opinion that counts because the whole thing is is New York would be giving tax breaks and jobs to these people and the city cannot support more people and the new jobs compared to the tax breaks there has to be a cost benefit analysis to it because the number one priority in New York right now should not be bringing in a massive corporation it should be fixing the damn subway because it is a piece of crap and if it gets worse the entire value of the city goes to shit because nobody can get around New York with cars. But because of Albany, in other words, the capital of New York, doing budget cuts and things like that, the quality of the subway has gone down significantly, and it is so bad. I couldn't even go to work on Friday. It was so bad. It was so bad that on Friday I went three stops. I went to where I do my change, and uh, there were no four or five trains running on the line. So I couldn't go to work. I worked from home because I was like, I can't do this. I literally cannot get there without it being a two-and-a-half-hour commute and me getting into the office between 11.30 and noon. That's how bad it is here right now. So, yeah, I get the, oh, bring in new jobs to the city. Honestly, we don't need the fucking new jobs we need. Somebody fix the goddamn subway. Um, But let's say the subway was running super smooth. And the only thing that mattered was the new jobs that you're bringing into the city compared to the tax breaks that you'd have to give to Amazon. You do a cost-benefit analysis. You You just know what the tax breaks are, at least on paper. I'm sure there's some backhand shady shit going on too. And then you project in terms of revenue, what the new jobs would bring to the city and see if it's worth it. It's not that hard. If the money that New Yorkers would make from having those jobs available is in range of what those tax breaks likely would be on some guesstimating level, who gives a shit? Whatever. It's a net positive for the for the city. But when you're giving those tax breaks to a company like Amazon, which will bring more people on those trains going to work every day and you don't fix the trains... That's the problem. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it makes the overall experience of being a New Yorker shittier and shittier by the year. It just does. So that's what needs to get fixed. Like if I were to strike a deal with Jeff Bezos about building Amazon second headquarters, it would, to me, it would be contingent upon Amazon making some sort of contribution to the subway system. And by contribution, I mean a massive, massive, massive donation. Like, I want it to look shady. I want the donation to be so high, people just question it. 
because it just seems too much to even seem real. Or else no deal. Because we can't support more jobs in the city right now if it means more commuters. We just can't. It's it's ridiculous how bad the subway is right now during peak hours. Honestly, it's pretty good during non-peak hours. But it cannot support a rush hour in the morning or in the evening right now on anything close to an optimal level. So when it comes to Amazon backing out, I don't really feel strongly one way or another. If they back out, it could be just balking too. It all could just be some baloney. I saw some articles thinking this was just like a posturing move. But um, to me, it's like whatever fixes the subways, do that. I don't really give a shit about what Amazon brings to the table or doesn't. It's does this in some way directly or indirectly lead to the subways being fixed? Yes or no? That's simple, y'all. But yeah, that was the only real current event I wanted to capture just because I am obviously very emotionally invested in it. Um, because it kind of sucks right now being a New Yorker in a lot of ways. So all those fantasies people have about moving to New York and starting your career and social media marketing or whatever fucking idea you have, think about that. Think about how, for me... When I go to 125th Street for my transfer, how my landmark on where to stand so I get a seat or I'm one of the first people into the car to have a chance to get the seat because the seat's so crowded is a dead rat on the tracks. There's a dead rat that's been there for months, and that's my landmark for where to stand. When I'm right, right up to that dead rat, I know I'm right by the subway door when it comes, so I'll have a shot at getting a seat. That is the reality of commuting in New York with this shit-tastic subway system we have. Um, So, just saying, just saying, not to freak you out, not to say don't follow your dreams, but I'm just trying to keep it real, y'all. Trying to keep it real. What else? What else? What else? All right. So, today... I've done these in the past, but it's been a long, long time since I've done one of these where I kind of do a little deep dive into a particular company or organization that's really done a good job in paying attention to the cultural landscape of a particular industry or niche and just disrupting the shit out of it. So I've done these in the past, but today I want to talk a little bit about StockX because, I mean, I already mentioned that I run a sneaker account on Instagram and it's a company that I've been paying a lot of attention to for a few years now or at least a couple of years just because I also am into like investing and I used to be into like penny stocks and things like that. And StockX is kind of this embodiment of all these things that I've been, at different points in my life, interested in or more interested in than others. And to me, it's like one of these perfect examples of a business or a company having a very common sense idea where it's like, let's just take this thing and this thing and combine them and bam. It's like sneaker reselling a few years ago. Got absolutely crazy with the shadiness, but also just the saturation of it. 
and there was nothing to regulate anything and it was kind of just the wow wow it's kind of like cryptocurrency in a way and uh there was no platform that really was optimized digitally for this craze that culturally was just going nuts you know on instagram sneaker reselling was going nuts and all that stuff was going down in the dm but there was no way of um knowing you know it's kind of like buying weed in high school like you didn't really know what you're getting into you're just going with it like all right dude seems legit whatever my friend said he's legit you know but you might be buying the oregano of sneakers when you're trying to get that purple kush you know what i mean so that was the problem and the solution was StockX, you know creating a real marketplace optimized for just sneakers and streetwear and things like that having an authentication process where they serve as a middleman to make sure what you're getting is a is the real product and then kind of i consider it gamifying the entire sneaker industry in a way but creating this like almost stock market ticker type of thing where brands and sneaker models and things like that have are treated like financial stocks and when you look at the history of StockX, it's interesting because one of the co-founders is dan gilbert who owns the cleveland cavaliers basketball team and he saw his kids just dive in head first to the whole sneaker craze thing and supposedly, from what I was reading, he was playing with the idea for years about trying to take the stock market model and applying it to real-life products. And sneakers turned out to be his experiment. And then he partnered with this dude, Josh Luber, who's the current CEO of uh, of StockX, who's just kind of a lifelong startup hustler guy trying to make it work in the startup world. And they birthed Star Stock along with uh, I think Greg Shorts is the other co-founder, and they birthed StockX in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, StockX is an app that see I don't I buy sneakers sometimes, but I usually don't spend money on the super expensive stuff. So I played with it a little bit here and there. Um, I did kind of like a deep dive into the app itself, at least their uh, iPhone app, and I've been on it for a long time and what's really crazy is when you also pair it with the the nike sneakers app which is their essentially just an app that you download and it's like a raffle to be able to buy limited release nike drops and i could just see if i was like 14 years old and this shit was around i would be all up in the sneaker craze because what the game is is on the sneakers app on nike you try to win the raffle so you can buy the sneakers and then if you're a reseller you resell them on StockX and you make a profit and then depending on how good it you are at reading the market you can buy them back and then resell them at a higher price etc etc um so that's kind of the game in a nutshell but what I've been doing this past week is kind of taking a deep dive on the app just doing kind of a full user experience overview with it because uh that's what I do day to day anyway, so I figured why not do it for their app. Um, and overall, like I think their app is just way too busy. They just throw products at you like crazy with um, basically just tab structures to separate sneakers from streetwear, from watches to handbags. But everything is just 
pictures of product everywhere with uh, product info. And they do this thing that brands do that I can't stand personally, where like on their product tiles, so when you're scrolling through products, like the price, the brand name, the, the item name, all of it is in condensed black caps, all caps, all uppercase letters. It makes it really hard to read and everything's really crammed together. Um, so from a UX standpoint, like I wish they smoothened out the way their product cards work or product tiles because they're not really cards everything's just on a white background but everything is just so crammed together there's stuffing so much content into each page and i think they would learn a lot by a b testing a version where everything just appears uh, a lot more spaced out and there's less content on a screen's viewport I just think it could do a lot as far as um, optimizing the experience, making things easier to read, which in effect often has, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes UX people are full of shit when they oversell the value of this, I'll be honest with you, but sometimes, many times, what it'll do, because people, particularly on mobile apps, tend to scroll so much, when you have less contents but it's better spaced and better laid out um, and makes the page more breathable, it tends to lead to better conversion on some level. So right now they got this like marketplace on lockdown. They found the perfect demographic, which is not even the hardcore reseller or the hardcore buyer that's a researcher of sneaker prices, but kind of like that casual sneaker head. The people that aren't going to be all up in Instagram DMs going back and forth, but are into sneakers, want to get the latest shit, want the new off-white um, Air Max 90s, for example, that got released this week. But they're not all up in the sneaker world hustling, maybe. So let's go to StockX. It's really for rich kids, to be honest with you. If you're rich, StockX is great. You can get your Supreme backpack for $650 or whatever. And it's very easy. It's like Amazon. They're Amazoning the high-end sneaker market for products with limited supply. Not just sneakers, streetwear, handbags, watches, etc. Um, and then they also portfolioize, I guess, the sneakers you buy. They pretend it's like a stock portfolio or an investment portfolio. And they show you all your sneakers with little like pie charts, just like an E-Trade account, a Robinhood account, uh, even even a bank account like like your Bank of America app, whatever it shows you that your portfolio, where it shows the value over time of each of the items that you've bought, um, and it shows your overall value of all the items you bought. And then on the seller side, what they'll do is to incentivize sellers to um, use StockX more. They will give you tiered uh, tiered, I guess, like kind of like a rewards program with different tiers where the main benefit of leveling up into a new tier is that your <clears throat> transaction fee gets slashed more and more and more the more stuff you sell on their platform, therefore the more money you get. Um, and when it comes to the complaints of StockX, there's very few user experience nerds like me that are going to complain about the interface design itself, and it's a better interface design than a lot of, like, online marketplaces i'll give it that 
and it's a usable app. Bottom line is it's pretty usable. It's just very busy, very cluttered, and some of their design choices are kind of not helping the cause um, in terms of all caps on their item names and all their text and everything for products. But uh, overall, what people gripe about with StockX is a few things. One is there's a lot of rumors about like people getting fake sneakers even though they they pride themselves through their authentication process and that's like one of their main value propositions to new customers but i'm like all right shit's gonna slip through the cracks there's tons of videos on youtube showing the authentication process and also if you have something that is fake they will refund your money with the quickness um that i've seen firsthand so I don't know what it is to complain about. People always want to complain about getting fakes. And then the other thing is um, people are like, oh, it killed the resale market along with GOAT. So GOAT is their main competitor. And it's a very similar kind of marketplace for, for sneaker reselling. But it's like it also checks the marketplace because it <clears throat> kind of like codifies the value of a particular item because – Back in the wild, wild west days when you were DMing for deals on Instagram, it was like the seller holds all the power and they can charge whatever they want within reason. I mean, you can't charge double or something that high, but you can you can go a little wild with uh, your asks because there's no centralized marketplace where people can find other versions of it and with all this data laid out for you. You don't know... Uh, what the real ask is so you're like a bidder who has less leverage in in that uh, interaction will often inflate their bid meaning what they're willing to pay for x sneaker because they have less leverage in the conversation and they want the thing that the other person has and uh so they start playing tricks on themselves psychologically and overspend and that used to be the way resellers, or a way, I should say, not the only way, but that was a way, you know, resellers would make huge profits off sneaker sales. And now that's kind of going away. So a lot of bitter resellers are mad at StockX because it's kind of killing the resale market. But it's like, you don't deserve the fucking resale market. What you were doing was getting away with... Uh, selling something for way too much money similar to what all these like fake digital marketing gurus do with their shitty ass ebooks where it's like buy my ebook and 10x your sales in 30 days it only costs three thousand dollars or join this facebook private group for six grand and learn this whole new secret business strategy that'll let you quit your job in three months it's like those guys selling that horse shit um, that's kind of gone away due to StockX. So that I really appreciate about StockX. Now, the other gripe that I hear about it, which is kind of true, but also a little bit of a reach, is like it makes all people suck at sales because before you would go up in the DM, have some Instagram conversation with somebody, or it doesn't have to be Instagram. I keep throwing that out there, but Facebook, whatever. And you would meet up at a physical location oftentimes and you do your transaction there. Again, very similar to a drug deal. <laughs> um, so that has kind of gone away on a high level. And people are like, oh, now you can't bargain with people. You don't know how to negotiate a price anymore. Now you're buying stupid shit like 
You're going to a festival and buying a water bottle for $4 without even questioning the person who's just walking around with the cooler selling it. And there's something to that. I think uh, it does kind of hurt people's just inherent ability to negotiate with one another. It's very true, but at the same time, it's like the Internet's kind of taken away all that. You know, you can say Amazon has done that, too. Um, at a much, 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 much higher level. So I can't really, compl- or eBay even back in the day. So I can't really complain about StockX doing that when uh, there's already platforms that have been in existence for a long time now that have done basically the same thing. They just didn't optimize for one niche the way StockX does for sneakers and streetwear and luxury items. So I see their point. There might be something there, but I think the problem was before StockX and GOAT, people were basically just setting up the equivalent of drug deals in order to do this kind of thing. So I think it's a net positive for the industry. Um, and then my, in terms of where StockX is going to go and how, I guess, if I were to put stock on StockX you know, how I would evaluate them as a stock, like if they had an IPO or something. I'd say this, I think they're a first-to-market player for this niche. Uh, I think their initial idea is a really interesting idea, and they have some smart people behind their operation. I also like that they're out of Detroit, um, kind of just bringing back a revival of business and industry for that city. I wonder about how much proprietary technology that they have that makes them hard to copy like when it comes to building businesses or investing in businesses it's to me having a business model that is a margin enhancing for the business in an ethical way and b something that is not easy to have someone else just do you know it's hard to copy so That being said, I don't know how hard to copy it is because I'm not quite sure what StockX is doing behind the scenes that's proprietary. I know they do a lot of stuff, but like to me, I've seen their headquarters and kind of their process, and it all seems kind of like easy to do, at least on a low level, not at the scale they're doing it. Like the hardest thing that they to copy with them seemingly is just the scale that they're uh, able to operate and they're expanding internationally now and everything and it's just going to be harder and harder to catch up with them unless you get a massive investor like Amazon just pour a ton of money at it Uh, so to me it's like I'm wondering what proprietary hard to copy thing they have in their arsenal other than attention eyeballs brand equity and uh a head start on the industry Um, because that's great but you know groceries there are lots of grocery companies that have had a head start on other grocery companies that are no longer in business so that's my big question with StockX and then my other question is how much are they investing in a UX design team because that app can get a clean up or two Um, it's a little busy although they do do a few things that i love i love the way they've taken that kind of financial portfolio ui style 
and applied it to sneakers. I think it's cute. I don't know how valuable it really is long term unless you're a seller and you're selling like constantly. You just want an overall portfolio glance at what you're uh, working with numbers wise. But I think it's a really smart idea. Might be a little cutesy. I don't know. But um, one thing that I absolutely love that they do that is a huge UX user experience, customer experience win for me is when you go to any of their sneakers or not any. There's some sneakers that don't do this, but any of like the super popular sneakers on the homepage where uh, if you just click into their product page, you'll see a big picture of the sneaker and then it'll flip around like on load which is cluing you in that you can just touch the sneaker and then move your thumb back and forth and the sneaker spins in a 360 view. So you can get the full view of the sneaker 360. And it's just a really cool interaction. Um, it's something that, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that's so awesome. Because usually it's just a shitty photo. Like if you go to like Foot Locker or some other sneaker site, it's supposed to be a, a, a profile view of the sneaker and then you have to click into a gallery to get all the other views and yada 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 this you just swipe your thumb and they take a ton of pictures and you can do a full 360 rotate of the sneaker but what i don't like is on the home page everything is carousels there's just carousels on carousels on carousels on carousels and if you work um in web design, app design, or even analytics for uh, tracking web pages or app pages, you know that carousels do not por- perform that well. Usually, like whatever is in view on page tends to get high click through, and then everything you have to scroll to gets very low click uh, click through. But my question is, because everything is carousels, have they baked in the user habits to such an extent that people are just constantly horizontally scrolling all over the place? Because that would be interesting. Because what's crazy is they have these carousels and then there's this little itty bitty see all link on the right side of each carousel that's in gray. It's kind of hard to see. And then you click that and then you get a full page view with filters and everything for a particular um, category, like new highest bids, new lowest asks. So ask and bid, taking that stock market lingo, most popular, and then the release calendar. And then that will take you to a real product page, not a carousel page. Um, But the problem is, is that I don't know if people are seeing that CVAL button. And then that's where you get access to filtering. So to me, that's something that I'm sure they have a team looking after it, and I'm probably full of shit, and they're probably killing it. But in my experience in the past, when you have tons of carousels and that's your homepage, they tend to not perform very well. The place that I work, which is a different industry, but same thing, e-commerce selling, um, we our homepage has has lots of carousels and they get very little engagement past the products that are uh, exposed on default so that is another question i have about their user experience but all in all you know they've only been a company for about three years or so wait i take that back it's 2019 
maybe four years now, and they are worth at least a billion, if not a couple billion dollars. So overall, they're killing it, and they found something that works. And what they did was, you know, they niched down. They niched down. They wanted to build a marketplace for sneakers, and then they took the idea of stocks and applied it to to sneakers, and uh, bam, it's not surprising that it took off, because think about it. Throughout this entire episode, I've been saying how prior to this, sneaker deals on the resale market was essentially like a drug deal that was legal. Now, if you took drugs and made a website for them and treated drugs like the stock market, that shit would have taken off in the late 90s. That would have taken off when the internet first started, if it was legal. Obviously, you can't do that, but... Because the resale sneaker market as a business and as a model and as an industry was so similar to, like, the drug trafficking industry on certain levels, at least on the level of, like, the small-time dealer, not the Pablo Escobars of the world, it only makes sense to take that stock portfolio model and apply it to them because you can. It's legal. If it were culturally and legally acceptable to create a stock platform model for the drug industry, that should, I'm sure, would have been done a long, long, long time ago. But because it's black market and certain cases super illegal, you don't have that, obviously. Um, So that's it. That is StockX overall. I think it's a smart business model. It's a net positive for the industry. I question how long-term they can dominate the market because I don't know about their proprietary technology. Um, that's key. But they are so ahead of the rest of the industry that it might be hard to play catch-up without a substantial investment. Um, from a huge VC firm or parent company like Amazon or something like that. And uh, in terms of their app and the website, they do a few really cool things. But overall, it is a bit messy. I would say the product pages are a bit hard to read because of their all-caps brand and style. But that would be a pretty lightweight cleanup job. And then the app overall would work really well. I think the pages flow fairly well um, in terms of how the architecture is set up, but I think links are still too small, and it's they over-rely on carousels and things like that um, that are a little too clunky for my tastes, but and I'm just one person. So anyway, I just wanted to do an episode on StockX because they are a company that fits uh, what I like talking about on this show, which is that interception between uh, business culture and the emerging models of today and how to optimize starting a business or running a business or operating a business in the case of StockX for 2019 and not 1919 or 1999 even. Um, So yeah, that is it guys. I'm going to wrap this sucker up. I hope you guys had a great week. Uh, hope you guys like this episode. Let me know if I should make more like this where I just profile a company. You can hit 
us up at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. That's notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com. Let me know if you liked it, hate it. Uh, If you don't mind, please hit subscribe in the app store. It helps us with looking like a real podcast and not something I just started in my mom's basement. I swear to God, I'm not doing it in my mom's basement. I'm doing it in my own apartment that I pay for for myself. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, follow us on the socials. We're on the Twitter and on the Gram. Both are at NRS underscore show. So hit us up on both and let us know what you think of StockX. I'm probably missing some major things. Every time I watch the StockX video, go on to any Instagram post about StockX, there's a million opinions. A lot of people are hating. whole lot of haterade out there. So how about we do this? Take your haterade away from StockX and bring it to Not Rocket Science. I will drink the fuck out of that haterade. So hit us up on Instagram DM or Twitter or gmail or whatever else anchor i don't know i'm sure you can do it on anchor too oh by the way anchor just bought by spotify big deal the platform i use to distribute these damn shows has now been swallowed up by the giant that is spotify that i've uh, criticized a little bit on past episodes but hey it's a big move for them so congratulations to anchor um I will be using them very shortly to put out this episode. So, yeah. Big up. Anyway, that is all I got. Hope you guys have a great week next week. And uh, keep following, keep listening, all that good shit if you're getting value out of this thing. New episodes every Tuesday. So, look out. And have a good one. Peace.